Whether you're on the go with a summer vacation or decide to spend your free time with a staycation, the No-So's got you covered. Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone, Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, you know what that means, and Viewer's Choice. Or sit down and nerd out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've got the North-South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Professional wrestling, the era of the franchise, the era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. Connection. Welcome to the most extreme menage a trois of violence you'll ever experience here on the Extreme Three-Way Dance. JT, Jenny, and Matt coming at you. Continuing our trek through the history of ECW. We started in February 1994. We have made our way into the summer of 1998 where we reside. I guess spring-ish summer. We'll be in the summer by the end of the next couple episodes. But uh, we, are, we are careening through the extreme history and of course this episode and this entire podcast series available both video and audio simulcast so if you're listening on any of the podcatcher applications we appreciate you but you can also head over to our youtube channel and watch us talk about this stuff if you want and if you are on youtube just subscribe leave us some comments we appreciate that as well we have a lot of content on the north south connection much of it is simulcast but we do have some video exclusives uh, to check out a lot of shorts that we churn out day after day for you Adoring, loving fans, so we appreciate it all. <laughs> How are you guys both doing? Uh, I'm I'm extremely loopy on cold meds. Perfect. So, good luck. For you, you match the Sandman's energy then. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Permanently loopy on some kind of medicine. But this podcast sponsored by Scissorp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish that would cure me real quick. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, our last episode we covered Wrestlepalooza. Mm. Never once was it mentioned to be Russell Sousa. 1998. <laughs> and here we are in the fallout. So that's what we're going to cover tonight. Three weeks of ECW television starting with May 9th, 1998. We open with a Al Snow backstage promo from a week ago. And then a video package shut to his theme music brings us into our opening animation. Joey Styles is then in the nest, and he's here to recap Russell Palooza. Talks about it being a historic night for the legacy of Shane Douglas. He drove to the show with a sinus infection, hospitalized under the care of a personal physician. We get Shane's pre-match promo from the pay-per-view. Taz came out, confronted him. He got taken away by police. We then see Shane's backstage pre-match promo. Paul then narrates stills of the main events. Shane Douglas retaining his title over Al Snow. 
Joey's in back of the nest. He talks about local Atlanta announcer Stephen DeTruth. And we get clips of Stephen trying to talk to Shane after Russellpalooza. Francine stops him with a jab back and forth until Francine has Bigelow and Candido take care of him. DeTruth is then backstage at Russellpalooza with Justin Credible, Jason, and Chastity. Jason brags up his team and says Chastity's neck brace is the latest in punk rock fashion. Credible says he's not the greatest, not the best. He's just incredible for life. Uh, Paul then narrates stills of Credible versus Mikey Whipwreck. Joey talks about the tag title situation. Paul narrates stills of Rotten Balls battling Storm and Candido coming up short. DeTruth then talks to Lance Storm from Russellpalooza, asks what is next for the tag team. Storm just walks, says the team is Storm and Candido and shoves them backwards and walks off. We then see Tammy Sitch backstage, says with the string she can pull, you never know where she may show up next. Oh, what a rush. Uh, I guess I'll pause there because we're about halfway through a lot of heavy recap episode, but Mm -hmm. any thoughts, Jenny, in the first half of this or so? Uh, (laughs) You're a big fan of Stephen DeTruth? (laughs) Yeah, who the fuck was that guy? Um, I guess he's just local. I mean, he must I'm sure Chad will weigh in at some point, but he's going to be like a local shock jock, probably VJ, Mm -hmm. DJ kind of guy. He did have that vibe. Yeah, Um, He was super annoying, um, but it Mm -hmm. looked like everybody was fucking with him a good a good bit so i did enjoy that um i don't know that guy was annoying as fuck um i like uh i like fran standing guard outside chain mm-hmm. store <laughs> and then just leading him into the heavy muscle um um also chastity and her neck brace iconic look yeah, the uh, truth was the terrible. Like he's <laughs> he's just goading everybody on, and everybody mm-hmm. backstage is just kind of shitting all over him, rightfully so. Because like I don't know, why not just use Joey for this or something? It's just kind of. Oh, weird. I think that it's like having the local mm-hmm. like broadcasters. They did this a few times now, where they have yeah. like a local celebrity at the show to kind of add that flavor. Boy, like, I don't know if we're we're using that term very loosely. Celebrity, well, a local local celebrity it might be a local, local celebrity. Like I don't uh... know if this was airing in. Georgia at the time or not, right? Um, you know, and if it was, maybe they figured that would perk some eyes. I don't know. I don't know how big Stephen the Truth was. We'll see. We'll see if anyone from the area can weigh in on that. But I guess we can see if he's got his own Wikipedia page, right? That's the biggest. Is it worth it? Stephen the Truth. <laughs> we have to know the the truth about him. <laughs> we will uncover the truth. Uh, all right. Well, he's. Let's see if this is accurate. Steve Prezak, Stephen DeTruth. That's at WrestlingData.com. I don't know. There's a bunch of different Steve DeTruths on here. but Multiple. Oh, God, it's like multiple doinks. Holy Weird. hell. Yeah, I'm just trying to see if there's anything more about him, but I don't know. There's a Stephen Prezak marketing communications manager out there. So maybe that's him. There's something that like has them linked to Eastern Championship Wrestling as well. IMDB. Let's see. Maybe he's from pre-extreme days, like super Ooh. early on. Uh looks like we see him again. Oh, oh. Good. On pay-per-view in the future. So maybe can't, that shows can't wait. That and all those shows from Georgia. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they listed as Eastern on IMDB, but it's this because it's like one episode of TV, and so it's gonna okay. be this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anyway, he's gonna be just be like a local shock jock you uncovered the truth uh, or wow. far from it wow <laughs> paul narrates an rvd sabu history package joey then talks about the tv title situation the fallout of fonzie's decisions clips of fonzie's promo from russell palooza where he gave no insight to whose corner he would be in <laughs> we then get highlights from rvd and sabu at russell palooza focused on sabu's offense joey says we will not see the full match again until the vhs is released Back in the nest, Joey talks about the legacy of RVD and Sabu, who helps out the v- VHS release yet again. We get to see their uh, where we can see their full war, but now we get the highlights of RVD on offense because he wants to keep things fair. Joey says each man believed the highlights of their offense prove who the winner of the match was. Joey talks about the insanity of Sabu and RVD trying to one-up each other and how it lasted 30 minutes into a draw. Jeff Jones said he made a decision that he would announce, and we get stills of the post-match. The truth talked to Jones later in the night as Fonzie comes in. Jones says the winner of RVD Sabu was the draw, and Fonzie paid him money to play it straight. Fonzie rants about the whole team winning. RVD comes in, he's all smiles, because he's wearing the gold, and he beats Sabu tonight. Sabu comes in, he pulls on Rob's ponytail, but Fonzie pushes him away, and says Sabu won on points. 
RVD says that he won on points and brag. So it's just more kind of smoke and deception. What are we mm-hmm. doing? Uh, we get more from Joey on these guys. Uh, many believe Jeff Jones would have declared Sabu the winner if RVD didn't intimidate him. Others say the opposite. Joey says Jones is the only man that knows who won. And Joey wonders if he told Fonzie because Fonzie says Sabu won on points. But Fonzie may just be trying to keep the peace. Joey then talks about Shane shockingly still being world champion despite all his injuries and the Taz attack and that Snow must be disappointed with his one fatal mistake. I'm just going to finish off here. There's like two more segments. The yeah, truth yeah. is with Snow and Head from Wrestlepalooza says maybe if the ref was a tenth of a second closer during the pin, Snow could have been champion right now and asked him what's next. Snow just glares at the truth while stroking Head and nods and walks away. <laughs> Joey says he may be looking at this differently, but Snow waited 16 years to headline a pay-per-view and fight for the world title and was against an injured champion. But he miscalculated his sunset flip, a movie did thousands of times and came up short. Snow could have claimed to be an uncrowned champion or made excuses, but unlike other athletes like Reggie White, Snow chose to think first, and now he has said nothing. And despite how crazy he is, we saw a moment of clarity. Joey thanks all the fans for support for ECW and Russellpalooza, says the company will head to Buffalo to tape more TV, and then we got video package of Snow and Douglas. So this really was, Matt, a pure recap episode. We get some post-game analysis and, and special exclusive interviews from the show, but it's really like for those who didn't see Russellpalooza, right? right? Which was most mm-hmm. of the, you know, could mm-hmm. be most of the TV watchers who knows, but for those that didn't see Russellpalooza live, this was meant to engage you to order the VHS that would be coming out. So it's mm-hmm. really just kind of a, a burn week of TV. But what do you think yeah. overall? Yeah. I mean, for our purposes, it's mostly stuff we've all seen before, but I think all these like recap episodes are still really good, especially if you didn't watch the pay-per-view, mm-hmm. like you're seeing highlights, you're seeing more of the, the RVD Sabu, like, soap opera type stuff they're doing which is interesting but yeah i mean it it is a good episode but like for our purposes it's stuff we've all seen before so well though (laughs) they didn't get much in the way of extra interviews because nobody would really ever talk to the truth (laughs) (laughs) to do an interview which was funny um um i wonder if the people who bought this liked Wrestlepalooza on VHS. Mm. Was that like a popular one? Is that one of the classics? Because I know that I don't there think are it, some. I don't think it's a pay-per-view that's looked on all that fondly in ECW, okay. if I remember yeah. right. I was curious. I was curious no. about what the nostalgia or whatever rating was on, on the DVD or the tape of this. I mean, I'm um, sure at the time it was bought a ton by folks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like like later in trading and stuff, I don't I don't know if it was a hot commodity or not. I mean, I don't think I think we all agreed it didn't hold up tremendously, but right. um I'm sure R V D Sabu was hot hot at the time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. beyond that, I don't think there's a ton here. Yeah, I I I liked the recap though. It was a good it was a good catch up on everything. All right. Well, let's dive into some uh a little more thorough and, and uh, meaty action. A week later, on May 16th, 1998, Joel Gertner and the Dudleys are in the locker room. Joel talks about the hardcore heroes like the Drunken Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, and Shooter Taz. The fans don't have any inkling of an idea as to how the Dudleys are going to make a mockery of hardcore in extreme. They plan on raising the violence quotient and will do it on the fans' behalf to raise the same plateau and level of disrespect that the fans have shown in their demeanor to the Dudleys. It appears the fans don't approve or respect Big De- uh, Big Daddy Dudley and how he brought up his sons. Bubba tells the fans to look close at his face in black and blue eyes and detached retina and that nobody in ECW can hand them a beating like their daddy used to. And no one in ECW can beat us within an inch of their lives like Dick did growing up. The sick part is the fans enjoy it, get off on it, and love it. They want violence, they're going to get it. Devon testifies, Dick chuckles, the Dudleys are on the rise, Jenny. So what did you think of this promo? It felt like a... I really felt like a declaration of war by the Dudleys here that trouble is uh, coming. It, it did. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, y'all know how I feel about them. So, but mm-hmm. I felt like Gertner kind of took it up a notch on this, and it was less hammy and more, you know, threatening, you know, in his way. And uh, it, it worked. It worked on on making me a tiny bit more interested in the Douglas map. Yeah, I mean, I like them saying that they're going to turn up the violence. Like, we've we've already seen a little bit of it from the Dudleys, but mm. now they're really going to turn it on. So hopefully this is the start of, like, the incredibly violent Dudleys, because that's, that's what I want to see. Like, they need to have... Like, we've seen them do the wrestling thing before, and they're 
decent enough at it, but I think being involved in violent, bloody brawls is more their speed, and I think that plays more to their strengths. So uh, I think if that leads to more of that from the Dudleys, I'm all for it. And uh, Joel Gertner also, uh, by the way, is uh, bigger than a Snickers bar and tons more satisfying. So I didn't know that before, but now I do. Bigger than a Snickers bar. Right. All right. All right. Well, we get our opening animation. Joey's in the nest at the Burt Flickinger Center, but Taz interrupts, says he is the world champion and makes Joey uh, say it as well. Joey throws it to the ring for a match with Taz's cousin. Taz says it's going to be a Donnybrook, and he's happy to be a color commentator, and he mocks <laughs> Joey as he sets up the match. And that match is Chris Chetty taking on dangerous Danny Doring. Taz chants boring as the match starts and <laughs> says you should be making your opponent tap before the bell even rings. Doring gets a quick flurry. Taz says he looks like Douglas and his cousin is stealing the spotlight and disrespecting Taz by wrestling Douglas. Taz storms off. He marches through the backstage to the concourse. Stomps around the upper deck. Demands a music guy play his music. He then goes to the ring. He wrecks both guys with the ref uh, and the ref as the crowd is buzzing. Taz wrenches on Chetty's arm of the Fujiwara until he's pulled away and dragged off. Taz is snapped in his pursuit of the world title leaving bodies in his wake, including his own cousin, Mr. Chris Shetty. Um, so I didn't really give a grade here, obviously, just kind of a N.A. Matt. Uh, but this continues to show that Taz is completely snapped in on the warpath. Yeah, uh, Taz has lost his mind. That's the biggest mm-hmm. takeaway from mm-hmm. this. Like, you know, we, we've heard him say before that, you know, he's a prize fighter. So if he was of sound mind, he would know that you can't win the title the way you think you want it. But obviously, he's clearly not of sound mind and body at this point. So he's just going to fucking destroy everybody until Shane gives him the title, which I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. We'll see. But right. uh, yes, yeah, he's he's going to fucking kill everybody until he gets what he wants, Jenny. I think that Taz is doing better at the insane gimmick than Al Snow did with his... Mm. insanity because he didn't really do stuff like this this is the kind of stuff you want to see when somebody's losing their mind um for me the best part of this is early when he starts chanting boring uh when he's (laughs) three seconds he was Mm -hmm. on commentary and then at the end when he's getting like arrested and drug off you just hear like a loud like the longest beep i've ever heard on <laughs> it was like me like <laughs> twice mm-hmm. they had these long beeps it was pretty hilarious i pop for that um but yeah this is good stuff from taz this is like better better he is getting better for mm. me i'm surprised they didn't um say boring doring well, I, I also had that wow. boring Doring. Yeah, it was right there. Yeah. I, I, I was going to let it go, but you had to do it. Hmm. Fonzie and Sabu get in the ring. Taz is dragged off to jail. Fonzie says Chetty can have a chance to pr- prove himself against Sabu. So here we go. Sabu versus Chris Chetty. Chetty works on the mat a bit, controls the arm and then the leg. We keep cutting backstage. Taz is being dragged away. We go outside where Sabu shoots Chetty to the railing. Fonzie lands a couple of shots as well. Sabu spikes a chair into Chetty. Back inside gets a top rope Rana. He's slow to get up. Sabu kicks Chetty back outside, meets him with the Piscato to a big pop. Sabu slips on a triple jump, crotches himself, and Chetty takes him off the top of the back suplex. Chetty loads the springboard, but Sabu kicks him down, puts him on a table bridge, and spikes a chair on him. Sabu charges, gets a triple jump leg drop off the top through the table and Chetty. Sabu follows with a triple jump, but he misses the leg drop. Chetty misses a double springboard moonsault. Sabu finishes with a triple jump moonsault. I think it's pretty usual Sabu template showcase uh, that always hits right, especially with a hot crowd. That was pretty well done. Sabu's a menace. Tough out at the at the shop for Chetty. Uh, but Jenny, I went two and a half. It's it's a, a good Sabu showcase. A good Sabu showcase and a lot of heart by Chetty mm-hmm. getting his fucking ass whooped by his cuz mm-hmm. and then just sticking around to fucking have a blow off match with fucking Sabu. Okay, why not? I mean, <laughs> seems like a good time <laughs> until you go through the fucking table because it's mm-hmm. Sabu and he's insane. Um, that Rana looked like he hurt himself uh, when he came down on that one, but he always hurts himself. So it doesn't stop him from doing the huge ass leg drop or a triple jump moonsault. So I love me some Taboo. I did Taboo. Taboo. Sabu. Um, <laughs> and That's when uh, Taboo and RVD go to the hotel later. <laughs> That's right. True. Yeah, right. <laughs> Two and one quarter. Yeah, I, I went two and a half on it. Up, 
good showcase for Sabu. And uh, Chetty looked good, too, in losing. I mean, he took a shit-kicking through the entire match. And I think they kind of made him look relatively strong by taking all this shit and surviving it, for the Mm -hmm. most part. Because, I mean, it's a pretty pretty lengthy squash, Mm -hmm. too. It was like five minutes or so. So Chetty kind of hung in there a little bit, too, with Sabu. So I thought that was was, uh, a, a nice move on their part. So two and a half for me. Taboo is the night Komodo want to lay a dance atop the ECW. Right, movie. yeah. Uh-huh. Tell y'all I'm in cold medicine, okay? Komodo want to do Wow. You're on cold medicine, too. Back to the ring we go, but before we get there, of course. As the full-blooded Italians head to the ring, that means it is time for our Italian lesson of the week. And tonight's word is andare a puttana. Andare a puttana. That sounds offensive. Andare a puttana. It means go to whores and get fucked. (laughs) That was close. (laughs) Wow. Is that a town in Italy? (laughs) A whore is Italy? It should be. Or is Italy? <laughs> is that where Keithy's going on vacation? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I have to ask him. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> go get fucked. Specifically about wars. wars. Right. <laughs> it's right next to right next to Venice, I think. Go get a little diddlini. <laughs> the FBI dance out. They're led by the big Don. Joey says they're not happy about what happened at Russell where his boys were embarrassed in their hometown. That was bad. Uh, he flies both the Confederate and Italian flags, he says, in his hometown. Oh, so that was so good. Out come the Blue World Order to a big pop. It's rematch time. The FBI attack with the flag at the bell. The beatdown is on. We get some chairs and double-team offense. The Don box orders as the beating continues with some vicious chair shots, and the FBI leave the BWO in a heap. Second time tonight, we don't have a match, uh, just mm-hmm. a segment. I thought this was pretty good, though, Jenny. I liked the aggression, the anger from the FBI. This is a fun little opening early act, you know, on the card feud. Why not keep it going? Add a little bit of heat. So I, I like the revenge by the FBI, and I thought, I thought it was pretty well done. I, I don't mind the shit finish or whatever. I just, part of me wanted to see Nova. <laughs> I don't know. He was really good last time, I thought. So I kind of wanted a real match here, if I'm being honest. But I love Joey's line about the flags. Uh, that was that was killer, Matt. Yeah, uh, great beatdown. Really fun stuff. Uh, a viciousness from the FBI we haven't really seen all that often. Mm-hmm. So it was glad that. And it's good that you give, you're giving like an opening, what really is, like you said, an opening uh, opening of the card type of uh, feud, giving yeah. it some juice, giving it some blood and guts and whatnot. It kind of, you know, it, it's nice to have a feud, have another feud, have something like this. So yeah, I thought this was a really great segment. All right. In the stairwell, Al Snow's ranting ahead about pushing him too far. Snow <laughs> says he wants privacy and he runs off the camera. Joey's in the nest, says, coming up short at Russellpalooza has made Snow even crazier. Talks about the Russellpalooza main event and how he should have no shame. Joey says, Douglas is prepping for multiple surgeries. The triple threat tonight said the ranks may be light for a couple months. Joey says, we were supposed to have Jamie Dundee back from Memphis to take on Lance Storm, but the triple threat showed up first. We see Storm and Dundee are waiting in the ring as Francine leads out Shane Douglas, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Chris Candido. Candido hypes up Shane, who looks all swollen. He's got a big <laughs> giant, a giant arm brace on. Says Shane has a list of injuries a mile long. He's being forced to go for surgery on his elbow, his palate, and a cheekbone puncture through his sinuses. But the triple threat will overcome adversity as always. Candido says they've all talked about how they'll keep things in the team. And in the spirit of ECW, Candido wants to shoot. With Lance Storm. He says months ago they destroyed Taz as a test to see what kind of man Storm was, and he lived up to that task. Candido says he's mad because Sonny thinks Storm is cute, but it's his shtick and gimmick, and the triple threat thought about it, and they want Storm to rejoin the triple threat right here in Buffalo to help cover for Shane while he's injured. Candido says they don't need him, they want him. Storm says he doesn't give people a chance to screw him twice, and Candido can shove it. Shane is angry, says it's the most elite fraternity in sports. Storm has a chance to stand by their side and stand for excellence, like Dean Malenko, Brian Lee, Candido, Bigelow, Francine, and he's turning it down. Storm says he means no disrespect to Shane. He respects him, his belt, and Bigelow is the greatest big man in history, but Candido is the biggest pain in the ass in wrestling, and as long as he's in the triple threat, he's out of it. If Shane and Bigelow want to kick Candido out, he'll reconsider. 
Candido starts to fast ramble, tries to talk Storm into joining and be partners. And Storm says, let's just do it here now. Storm shakes everyone's hands and then nails Candido with the belt. And then we clip ahead to the new match ahead of us, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, Matt, what'd you think of this whole scenario with Lance Storm turning down the invitation? So I thought it was a good overall, but goddamn, it took a while to get there, didn't it? <laughs> like, I, I thought this was very long for what they were trying to accomplish. Basically, Lance Storm just saying no. Like, we, we didn't need to take 10, 15 minutes to get there. Like, I, it was fine overall, but how about five minutes? Let's try that. Let's, let's try five minutes and see how that works. But, yeah, I mean, and again, you get Candido's rambling, which is always entertaining, and I never know what the hell he's saying, but it's very it's very entertaining just to hear him do the cocaine-addled thing. I don't even try and write it down. He's just yeah. I wondered, I wondered if anybody caught anything. Oh, God, no. Not, not you can't. It's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> Great, yeah, thanks. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think the goal that they were trying to get across was accomplished, so that's good. But yeah, uh, maybe you know, uh, you know what that kind of sounded like, Matt. That can't you don't remember. Kind of sounded like this song, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just had that at the ready there. Wow. Oh yeah, I, put, I try and play it on every podcast. <laughs> what do you think, it's Jenny? Should Storm uh, have said yes? Or has he been burned? No, no, no. I think Storm looks very intelligent in this mm. segment. So that mm-hmm. came across pretty well. Because he would be a fool to try to join up with them. Like, of course, they're going to fuck him over. You know, and Shane looking swollen. The fool believes, uh, you know. That, that was wow. funny. But Candido sounding unhinged as mm-hmm. fuck. Um, yeah. Uh, they did, like... Like the other match needed some juice and some guts. We needed some more right here because they've kind of been stalling um, across the story. So I'm glad that Storm stood up for himself. Anyway. To the match we go, and that is Lance Storm taking on Bam Bam Bigelow. Francine consoles Candido outside. Bigelow and Storm circle. Bigelow unloads a flurry, throws Storm across the ring. Storm comes back with a Fujiwara, but Bigelow gets to the rope, so we reset. Storm gets two on a victory roll, follows with a drop kick. We clip to Bigelow, battering Storm on the floor. Throws him out into the fans with a press slam. Bigelow follows and keeps on the attack. He throws Storm back to ringside, tossing chairs at him. We clip to Storm getting a high cross body. Candido distracts him to block a pin. Storm gets a bulldog. He goes up top, but Candido shoves him off the top, and he goes right into greetings from Asprey Park from Bigelow for the Bigelow win. Uh, a lot of clips, but a stra- <laughs> our favorite process here, extrapolating out. Uh, I went two and a half. Bigelow and Triple Threat mm-hmm. roll on. Storm pays for taking a stand, but it seems like there's still more juice left in this whole relationship with these guys. You extrapolated. What's your, extrap- what's your extrapolated yeah. grade? Uh, extrapolated two and a half as well. Because it's fun to watch Bigelow fucking pick dudes up and throw them into mm-hmm. rows of chairs. And then go in the chairs and pick them up and throw them into the apron of the ring. And then throw them into the- just constant throwing. He he got one of those wooden chairs and nailed the fuck out of Storm like three times. That was awesome. Um, and then murdered him with greetings from Asbury Park. So. Fucking A. I love this match, Matt. Yeah, I went and uh, extrapolated for if that's the word of the uh, the word of the day. Uh, two and a quarter. It was fine. I think the full match is probably better, but I liked what we saw here. I don't know. I think the clipping kind of bugged me. <laughs> more. Uh, like, they like always I, bug I me. wanted to see the full, especially this one, because like these are two mm-hmm. guys who I love, and I think that's kind of what made me uh, knock it a little bit. But what we saw was great. I mean, Bam Bam just chucking chairs, humans. Like mm. it's it's very entertaining, and it, it will never not be entertaining. So. Two and a quarter for me. All right. Back to the ring we go right away for our next match. That's Rob Van Dam taking on Doug Furness. Still hanging around. Yeah. We join it in progress. RVD misses a dive. He crashes to the corner. Furness knocks RVD outside with a drop kick. Follows out the chop away. RVD comes back with a springboard moonsault into reverse DDT. After a break, Furnace is grabbing Fonzie in the crowd, but RVD leaps off the railing into Furnace to save him. We get some highlights of those spots as Furnace DDTs RVD on the floor. Joey talks about their past in all Japan and says, besides Sabu, nobody knows RVD better than Furnace. Furnace throws RVD with a released German for two, but RVD comes battling back with a sidekick, then gets a chair from Fonzie, but Furnace knocks him over. He runs Fonzie to the top turnbuckle and slugs him down. Furnace ducks a Van Daminator and spikes a chair at RVD, backdrops him over the top, 
and through Fonzie, through a table bridge at a wild bump, which just mm. looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Back inside, RVD counters a Rana with a powerbomb. He crushes Furnace with a frog splash, but the ref is down. RVD plays out to the fans and mocks Sabu. Hooks a camel clutch. Sabu comes out, hits RVD with a springboard kick through a chair to break the hold. <laughs> Sabu goes up top and hits RVD with an Arabian face buster as RVD is covering but uh, covering Furnace. But Joey isn't sure that Sabu saw him. Furnace wrecks Sabu with a chair shot but turns into a Van Daminator and RVD retains. Uh, I, I thought it, was, it was really hard to follow this because of the clipping um, mm-hmm. early on. But down the stretch, it was really fun. Furnace, as the job of the stars, is really good because he can go. <laughs> he mm-hmm. doesn't need to really win anything, but he's presented strong. Uh, the table spot was awesome. I like the finish, too, with RVD grinding up the win, also dealing with a very angry Sabu. So we'll see where mm-hmm. that goes. But Matt, I went three stars. Like I, I thought from what we saw was, was a really good TV match. Again, the clipping made it a little hard mm-hmm. to, to track. Yeah, uh, kind of the same thing with the last match for me. The clipping hurt this for me. I still went two and three quarter on it, but the beginning of the match, the clipping just kind of took me out of it a bit. They got me back by the end of it, just how insane everything was with Fonzie going through the table. The chair shots were disgusting with by both Furnace and RVD. The, da- uh, the Van Daminator looked great. So, yeah, I mean, it was a fairly standard title defense. I feel like, like, I feel like we're going to see Sabu interfere in every one of RVD's title matches at this point now, so I've made my peace with that so when i say standard it's you're i'm expecting a sabu interference at this point so mm-hmm. but i i did enjoy the match overall they they got past uh my annoyance of uh the clipping so two and three quarter for me jenny yeah fuck the clipping anyway but i love how when rvd does the pose bam there's sabu <laughs> like it's like a signal and it, he he is has always good on timing sabu when he comes out to fuck everybody up and send them through tables and wreck them with chairs he was so good in this um but rvd was flying around like crazy mm-hmm. um we got blue mats on the floor um very rare to see any kind of padding around ringside um mm-hmm. not that it fucking mattered i don't think uh, it's very thin mat and it looked like a concrete floor um and nobody cares where they are anyway but that was really really fun and i did three stars all right it is now time for something we, we don't get a ton of anymore i feel like it used mm-hmm. to be every for a while but uh, We go backstage, Fonzie talks about Van Damme and Sabu being inseparable, and nobody will cause friction. Storm is sick of being screwed over by Candido, wants a singles match to prove he's better. Candido rambles on about being a great proven champion and all the people he's retired, and wants the match with Storm. Storm talks more shit on Candido, says how he likes how their match turned out last time, so why not just do a dream partner tag? Candido keeps ranting, he's all in, Bigelow will be his partner. Storm says Candido needs someone to carry him, and runs to the triple threat when things get tough. Storm says Candido can't pick a triple threat member. Find someone who wants to tag with someone whose best claim is being Sonny's boyfriend. Candido's pissed. He shits on Storm after giving him the chance of a lifetime and accepts the challenge. He wants blood, not wrestling. And because of that, he's picking Sabu. And we see Sabu is standing next to him. And Storm's laughing because we see his partner is RVD. It was all laughs and makes some jokes about Sonny. Uh, Joey says the big dream tag main event is set for the ECW arena. Arena, it will be a matter of respect, Jenny. So... Um, I'm not going to say I'm the biggest fan of like the weird back and forth where they seem to know what each other is saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of odd a, a little bit, but I like where we ended up. Like it's kind of a natural RVD and Sabu feel like they still have one last fight in them. Candido and Storm are kind of similar to them where they're tag champions, but hate each other. So now these two teams are against, you know, their partners on each side. I think it's a good, it's a good selling match for the arena. Like if I was going to that arena show, or considering it, I think that's one that would get me in the door. The match feels earned, I will say. and But I found this to be kind of lame as a Pulp Fiction. Number one, the music drowned out a lot of it. But mm-hmm. also, a lot of it was incomprehensible because of Chris Candido. <laughs> um, Storm, I thought, did very well. Um, and looked, again, intelligent against... Candido's madness. Um, also, they all look naked in the bathrooms, um, especially when the <laughs> camera gets close. Um, anyway, not my favorite Pulp Fiction, but I thought they did a good job to to get to the tag match. I'm a fan of the 
idea of the tag match, Matt. Yeah, I think the match will be good, but how they got there is a little weird. With like you said, JT, with their, it's like almost like they're talking to each other, but it's all pre-taped. It's just kind of yeah, sh- schlocky and low rent and in a weird. It would have been way. better if they just had like TVs where they were watching each other or something, or right. or just do the old like do they have face to face where face-to-face. it's a split screen and they're right. talking to each other as yeah. they're going, you know? Or even if you want to do it in the ring at this fucking Buffalo House show, do it. The, right, do it it's there. like we're supposed yeah. to believe like they're standing there waiting for the response. Right. Their recording response, and then they're seeing it. it's. Just, it was, just, and then they had RVD and Sabu there. Like, right. Thank God Sabu was in that bathroom stall. I know. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird. <laughs> uh, it was. It looked like it was made to be a Pulp Fiction. Yeah, if right. That makes sense. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, that's it for that episode. Um, so let's get to our awards to wrap it up. Best match. I, I went RVD Furnace. I think it's the match mm-hmm. we saw the most of. Yep. I think so. Yeah. Uh, worst match, Sabu and Chetty, I guess. <laughs> this is a lot happened in this episode. I feel like yeah, this yeah, about like an hour ago. Um, um, yeah. Best moment, I went with Taz snapping and then Furnace putting RVD and Fonzie through the, together through the table. All that shit was yeah. awesome. Like, RVD never it. takes that bump. And for Furnace yeah, to do it, yeah. it's crazy. Right. Like, right. Yeah. You know, you never see him get hit like that. Most 90s... Um, was it a lot in this one? I went with just throwing right. wrestlers into the crowd. <laughs> like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Doug Furnace, he's very 90s. <laughs> yes. Stephen DeTruth. Well, that was last episode, but yes. Oh, well, yeah. Carry that was right. Yeah. We didn't uh, shit on him enough, I don't think. So. <laughs> we never do. <laughs> Stock Rising, I went Dudley's, Taz, Sabu, Storm, RVD. Pretty much everyone. That we talked about having a positive mm-hmm. show in yep. here. Mm-hmm. And falling, I went Doring and Chetty. Mm. I wouldn't put Chetty there. But... Yeah, I don't think I would either. No? Doring, I would. but Doring, yeah. All right, final grade. This is a, a very fine episode. Like, we saw some fun stuff, set up some bigger things. I went six out of ten. To me, it's like a standard ECW television episode. Mm, I, I was a little bit higher on it. I did seven out of ten, but also is Al Snow falling? <laughs> yeah, Snow. Because yeah. Um, I, I, not to just make that joke, but um, it just occurred to me. That, <laughs> I'm gonna add him, yeah, because I don't. Yeah, yeah. I'll be he, honest with you. He, he might he may be, be, done. be done. Yeah, I, uh, I thought you guys were saying that. Last time that I might be it. Yeah. So, because so, he is in WWF for King of the Ring, which is at the end of June, right. and he's on TV a little bit before that. And then I, I don't know if he comes back or not. We'll see. But like I said, I think he he dips out of WWF again until after SummerSlam. So like he's on till King of the Ring. Then he's gone for like a month and a half, and then he's back. So I don't mm-hmm. know if he comes back to ECW or not. But um, yeah, I think for all intents and purposes, he's done. I don't know if we get a blip of him somewhere, but mm-hmm. like I don't think we get any big. I think he has like one more match in the ECW arena. So I don't know if we're gonna see highlights of mm-hmm. that or maybe that right. full match at some point. But I know I'm pretty sure he has one more like quote unquote farewell in the ECW right. arena. But I wonder if it's during that dark period, like when he's not on WF. Because like I said, they definitely bring him up in May. He's on mm-hmm. Raw for a few months trying to like get a job, and he ha- then he has that awful match at King of the Ring, right? Um, where he loses, so he doesn't get the job, and then he comes back and he starts harassing like Slaughter, mm-hmm. and then he like beats Slaughter in a boot camp match, and that yep. earns him a contract. So, like I said, between King of the Ring and SummerSlam, I don't, I don't know if he's around or not. Right. Uh, all right, let's get to our final episode here tonight, and that is May twenty third, nineteen ninety eight. Joey's in the ring in Queens from last Thursday. There's a loud Seinfeld sucks dick chant. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was random. It's an aggressive attack. Uh, yeah. I do think this was up against the uh, Seinfeld finale, so that's mm-hmm. why oh. we'll get to more Seinfeld stuff in a minute. That would make yeah. sense. I'm yeah. pretty sure that this. This was taped the night of the Seinfeld finale. Um, Taz immediately interrupts. Joey's not thrilled about it. Uh, what could happen here tonight? We get clips of Taz destroying people as he heads to the ring. Taz says the triple threat won't admit it. ECW won't admit it. But Taz is the real world champion. He destroyed everyone's hero, Shane Douglas. Busted his skinny arm and face. And that makes him the champion, not a pussy from Pittsburgh. And he can't beat the man from Brooklyn. Taz says he isn't an uncrowned champion. And he brings out the brand, a brand new belt and says you can call it the Brooklyn World Belt or the Fuck the World Belt. And calls Douglas a piece of shit if he wants to go title for title. 
Bigelow shows up and says Taz is no champion. The last time he was one, Bigelow put his ass through the ring. Taz says, even for a dumb shit for New Jersey, Bigelow can see that this is a world title, and Taz is a champion. We get a loud Jersey sucks dick chant as Bigelow says Taz is calling out Douglas who wants to be a champion, but Taz won't get to Shane again without going through Bigelow. Taz takes off his towel and wants to fight. He lays his FTW title down in the ring. The refs fill it, and Bigelow and Taz clean them out, including Bigelow throwing one of them into the crowd, of course. They start to brawl, but eventually get pulled apart. At a very red-hot start and a huge moment in ECW history, Jenny, Taz goes next level and introduces the FTW title, uh, which will become a thing here for a while. And uh, it was pretty infamous. As someone who didn't watch ECW at the time, because I didn't have access, I, I heard a lot about this. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like, I remember getting confused, thinking it was the FMW title from <laughs> Japan, and like mm-hmm. that, this was like a Japanese title he had or something. Oh. Mm-hmm. And as years have gone on, I obviously, you know, understood better what he had in here, but um, this has becomes, I think it's a shrewd move because it gives Taz a level of credibility, but it also gives them a world title mm-hmm. to have on TV while Shane's on the sidelines, because we know the litany of injuries he has. He's going to be out for a bit, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So it gives us like something Taz can parade around as a world title belt. But uh, what do you think of this segment and what do you think of that concept? <laughs> Taz creating a belt for himself gives him credibility because he has a belt now. Well, because he destroyed Shane Douglas and yeah, lays claim. Like Shane making your own him. belt is next level delusional. Yeah. But I mean, I'm kind of here for it. <laughs> I mean, it's a very nice belt. Uh, it does really look good. So, uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know what, Taz, do your do your thing. You do you, Taz. Let's see what you got. Because this is insane. But Shane also just kind of made up the belt one time. So it's kind of an ECW tradition. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I like it. And like you said, JT, I think uh, part of it is that Shane's going to be gone for a while. So it gives Taz a title to defend because, I mean, let's face it, uh, Shane uh, injuring everything uh, probably derailed things for a bit. (laughs) So, like, who knows if they were going to do Taz and Shane soon-ish? Like, I don't know, but it makes sense, you know, to have another title defended on house shows alongside the TV title. Uh, I love when Taz calls people a schmuck. Pops me every time. He calls (laughs) Bam a schmuck. Oh, you schmuck! It's just... It's the best. And then I love how he just, uh, Bam Bam, just casually chucks a ref. Like, into, like, the fourth row. Right, into the crowd. Like, here, just, hold this. Woof. Like, oh, my God. Just, it was awesome. It's so good. And, uh, yeah, T- Taz and Bam Bam are uh, on the warpath. They're probably going to have another uh, uh, destructive mm-hmm. beating. It's, it feels like they're having a pull-apart pull apart brawl every week, and they're always uh, pretty entertaining. So, yeah, uh, hell of a start to this episode. Well, Bigelow is a great avatar to fill in for Shane while he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, if Taz yeah. is calling out Shane – let him have to go through Bigelow again. Right. Um, you know, and Taz has proved to be, I don't say delusional, but I would say like a very effective troll. And he does it in a way that's legitimate, but he knows this is going to fuck with Douglas and get under his skin. But right. he also believes he's the world champion, right? So it's like a twofold, um, twofold, you know, benefit to him that way. So twofold Scorpio, I think is what you <laughs> yeah. Joey's in the nest says we're going to hear from Shane Douglas via satellite tonight. And a lot of footage won't make air, but it is available on a home video. And ECW has titled it, It Ain't Seinfeld. Joey says, Art Vandalay is standing by to take order. <laughs> uh, like I said, I believe this was taped the night of the Seinfeld finale. So that's all the digs and the, the joke, It Ain't Seinfeld. So the uncut version of a satellite interview is what is going to be contained here? No, the whole show. Oh, the whole show. Okay. They're saying the whole... The whole Queen's taping, a lot of it yeah. won't make tape. I mean, won't make TV, so you got to order mm-hmm. the tape mm-hmm. to see it. Um, but like I said, this is a, a pretty big night in uh, television history. So the finale aired, it was May 14th, 1998. Mm-hmm. 76 million viewers. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of people. I would have never guessed Just that. to compare, most of the season, they were in the 30s. Mm. So, I mean, they went more than double where they were at for this. That's crazy. And uh, I remember this night because it was our honors night for senior year. And I remember like going to that ceremony and then me and Andy Flanagan, like screwing to my house. (laughs) I don't remember if we made it in time or I know I probably recorded it and then we started it like. 
but I remember just trying to get home to watch the finale because it was such a big deal mm-hmm. to want to watch it um, that night. But the stupid fucking honors night. And anyone knows Andy walks so goddamn slow. I still can see him walking up the aisle. <laughs> Go get your fucking award and get out of here. <laughs> fucking smart bastard. And, shit. and then the episode sucked. Nah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't mind it. Someday maybe we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah sure. All right, to the ring we go. Justin Credible taking on Jerry Lynn. Credible's out with Jason and Chastity. Joey hypes up his resume. Lynn jogs out next. Joey talks about he's underutilized by WCW, WWF, and even ECW to this point. And this is a good showcase for both guys. We get some stalling as the crowd fires up a Justin Asshole chant. We finally get a lockup and some jostling as the crowd gets on Chastity. Joey says, we're not going to go into her past. Both men continue to feel out until Lynn fires some punches, gets a back elbow for two. Lynn throws Credible outside into the railing, follows with a sick baseball slide that sends Credible flying into some poor blonde woman in the front row. Lynn follows out with a somersault sent on. Back in the ring, Lynn gets a front suplex and a tight top rope leg drop for two. Joey reminds us it was in this building that Credible upset Great Sasuke as he comes back with a slop drop to turn the tide. Credible chops and punches away. Jason throws him a chair. He sets it up and drop toe holds Lynn into the seat for a near fall. Credible keeps pouring it on, gets a sit-out powerbomb for two, cranks a chin lock, and Joey here notes this show is happening during the Seinfeld finale, but it's not about nothing. Lynn gets a sunset flip for two. Credible cuts him back with down with a clothesline. Credible... Uh, grabs a chair, goes up top, but Lynn gets the boot, follows with a drop kick into the chair. Lynn Bulldog's credible on the chair for two, but whiffs on a charge and tumbles outside. Jason attacks and hits a backbreaker, slings him back in for a two count. Credible gets a spinning DDT for two, but Lynn comes back and gets a DDT to counter a suplex. Lynn goes up top, but Jason shoves him off, and Credible loads. That's incredible, but Lynn turns it around, hits a tombstone of his own to get the win and big pop. Uh, I like this match a lot. It was two dudes mm-hmm. just balling out with a hot mm-hmm. crowd. No slow spots, just a flow of offense and hard-hitting offense. Um, the finish was really well done, too. I thought Lynn was made to be a star on the rise by beating Credible. He's been very well protected to this point. And uh, Matt, this is high quality. I went three and a quarter, and it just shows you that these are two guys that could really help carry them into the future because they can need to replenish at some point, and it looks mm-hmm. like they have these guys on deck for it. Yeah, I really enjoyed this too. I went three and a half on it. Just a, a great match. I've been super impressed by Justin Credible since he showed up. He's just been he's been bringing it in every in all of these matches. I didn't expect him to be this good because me neither. We'll, we'll see it, and I don't want to spoil too much for Jenny down the line. But like, he does become I don't want to say maligned, but there is a lot of complaining that I recall mm-hmm. yep. of him being in that Triple H, Jeff Jarrett style, even Shane Douglas at times mode, where it's like hyper pushed down your throat. Yep. And people get sick of him. So that's what I remember hearing about mm-hmm. Justin Credible. So I was actually surprised to um, see how effective and how good he's been in the ring here. I mean, it's everybody they've been putting him in there with, whether it's Mikey, it's Lynn, it's Tommy. He's been bringing it in every one of these matches, and he's been holding his own. So it's not like he's being carried. He's carrying a good portion of these matches, too, which is great to see. And Lynn is just so fucking good, even at this point. He's just mm-hmm. unbelievable, the way he's able to just move around the ring, just super fluid, super crisp. Uh, we get a She Has Anal Warts chant from the crowd at one point, which was uh, which was quite a thing. Uh, God bless the Elks Lodge. Good mm-hmm. Lord. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, that tombstone that Lynn hit at the end was mm. sick. It was fantastic. So hopefully this is the start of a bigger push for Jerry Lynn because, uh, I, I mean, he's obvious, he's shown time and time again he deserves it. He's putting great matches out there. So three and a half for me, Jenny. And and Jenny, just time frame-wise, mm-hmm. for your – for your, I don't say out of vacation because you probably realize it, but just to throw it out there. Uh, this is like almost four years to the day of like the first TNA pay-per-view Okay. Short of maybe a couple of weeks, but like, mm-hmm. so think of where Lynn is here versus right. like that, you know, where we got like mm-hmm. him and Styles and all that in those early TNA pay per views. And that's, it's crazy to see him here and like knowing mm-hmm. we, we get the stretch of time coming before he gets there. But um, well, that's anyway. how I fell in love with Jerry Lynn was in TNA. Uh, he's fantastic in it. And this is just like the icing on the cake for me. Like, I love him. I love this win. I love this match. But also, I'm a little petty about it because I wish this was Mikey in this spot. I wish we were doing this for Mikey. He just lost a credible all, all this time. I guess he's injured, and that's why he doesn't get this. But um, I love it for Jerry Land, but it makes me a little sad for Mikey because I could easily see him here instead um not to take anything away from justin credible i thought this was really good (laughs) he was really good in this crowd hates him so much 
Um, and I did three and a half stars. I mean, Credible Mikey is kind of done after the pay-per-view, though, isn't it? Like, I feel like we've seen it. I, I just mean, like, I wish he had won all of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You mm-hmm. know, have these this match against Credible instead of the matches that he had. Yeah. I mean, I, should, I think part of it is it is trying to elevate Lynn. I um, get it. Or but... establish him, I should say, more than elevate. Right. Uh, all right. So, uh, Joey's in the nest and says, ECW... Uh, WrestlePalooza 98 was the most watched pay-per-view so far. It talks about the mystery around who won between Van Damme and Sabu. It sends us to the ring for Sabu taking on Danny Doring. Sabu goes for the legs to start, pelting with strikes and twists into a camel clutch. Sabu keeps bringing the heat as Doring stumbling around. Spikes a chair into his face. Doring eats an air Sabu. Kicks out of the cover. Sabu outslugs Doring. Drop kicks his knee and keeps flinging him around. Sabu takes the knee out again, sets up a table bridge, dodges Doring flying out of a Piscato. Sabu puts him on the table, mashes him with a triple jump elbow. Back inside, Sabu leg drops a chair into Doring's face and finishes with the camel clutch. Just a quick squash, Jenny. Doring really showed a little moxie here, uh, but this is all Sabu just destroying him and hitting the big table spot, really hyping us for the dream partner tag. The crowd was into it. Two stars for me. Absolutely the same. Uh, really fun, quick. Typical Sabu match where he's awesome, and I gave it two stars. Matt. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you guys. Two stars, a complete squash. Uh, Doring took a beating, but it was a super entertaining one. So yeah, fairly standard stuff here. All right, Chris Candido's out with Francine. Joey pops in from the nest and says, "Francine will even put hair on your Costanza." He then <laughs> welcomes in Douglas via satellite. Douglas is laughing about Taz's big reveal. Says he's a crock of shit. He can't even get on a plane due to injuries from defending his title. Taz says he's a world champion as if crawling the walls, watching TV on a Monday night. He sees some asshole saying, if you're NWO, you're NWO for life. He wants no part of that. And the triple threat, you can only be part of the group if you hold up your end of the bargain. You're not in it for life. Bigelow, Candido, and Francine always deliver. He hears people saying Shane isn't holding up his end. But you know what? He's going to get on a plane, and he'll be in, in Philly this week for ECW uh, at the arena and he'll prove to his critics why he's still in the triple threat and he's still world champion. And if he can't hold up his end, then they can go ahead and kick him out. So I guess this is like a usual Douglas. It's hard to translate what he's saying, but the the point is he's saying at the triple threat, you have to earn your keep and mm-hmm. he can't do that by sitting at home, nursing injury. So he's coming to the arena. Hmm. Yeah. Very uh, Candido like delivery from mm-hmm. Shane here. A mm-hmm. um, little bit of a rambling uh, mixture of bullshit. Um, but he's on a lot of pain meds. Probably yep. I mean, uh, that's what I think. I mean, yep. I, I think he was hopped up on anything and everything so he could get through that promo. Yep. And then for some reason, he's going to be at the ECW arena. Like, wow, that's also a great point. Like a buddy, like Why? take a week off. You're, you're you, everything is hurt. You're basically like you're one injury away from being in a body cast. Just stay home for a week, man. Who do you think you are? Perry Saturn? <laughs> All right, well, maybe. <laughs> Chris Candido taking on Jamie Dundee as our next match. We join the match in progress. Candido's unloading punches and chops. Joey hypes up the next arena show. Dundee gets a cartwheel chop, but Candido just shoves him away. Dundee bows up and talks some shit. He does some wild martial arts display, but Candido knocks him down. <laughs> Joey says he looks like Kramer at karate class. Joey's obviously a big Seinfeld fan because he makes a lot of specific <laughs> references to mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. Candido hits a drop kick and keeps piling it on, hitting a great delayed suplex. Joey says, Sonny's the dirty answer to Elaine as Candido keeps firing away. Dundee catches a second row bulldog to turn things around, but he comes back with a back suplex. Dundee slings Candido outside and barrels into him with a plancha. Candido whips him to the steel, but Dundee goes to the eyes. Back inside, Dundee goes up top. Candido catches him. It's a superplex and finishes with a swan dive headbutt. And again, Matt, this is a, a pretty fine match. It's a workmanlike squash, building momentum for Candido. A lot of competitive squashes on the show. Uh, but the atmosphere helps, and the showcases are needed to really try to set up all the principles for the Dream Tag on this show here. So I went two stars on this. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this decidedly less than the Sabu one. I went a star and a half on this. But, it, I mean, it was still technically fine. It was a, a decent enough squash. Uh, Jamie Dundee's offense leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, desired. Good Lord, that uh, cartwheel chop fucking <laughs> thing he did in the corner. Like, yeah, it, it, it was very entertaining, but it, it was it, it was basically a squash. A, a fine showcase for Candido. As long as Candido's not rambling, I'm good. So, star and a half. <laughs> That's true. As long as he shuts up and just wrestles, it's fine. Um, you know, pretty basic match. I'm kind of in the middle of you guys. I did one and three quarter stars. 
Um, his pants were terrible, more like cum D, because it looked like he had fucking <laughs> cum sprayed all over his fucking jeans. I mean, it, it could have been. Who knows? Yeah, so, um, yep. Moving on. Moving on, Joey talks more about RVD and Sabu, but says the TV title reign could end here tonight as RVD defends against Jenny, your boy, Mikey Whipwreck. Yep. We are in progress. RVD gets a double underhook front slam, kicks away. Big spot for Mikey as he challenges. RVD buries a tight drop kick. Mikey comes firing back, but RVD gets a spin kick. RVD follows a corkscrew leg drop and struts around the ring. We spill outside where Mikey throws RVD to the railing, slips back inside, flies out with a plancha. Fonzie ties Mikey up and then spikes him on the apron. RVD knocks him into the railing and crotches him on it, kicks him in the chair, uh, in the face with a chair. Thanks to an assist from Fonzie. RVD shoots Mikey back inside. He heads in with the chair. Monkey flips Mikey into it. RVD goes up top and crushes him with a frog splash. We get some back and forth. RVD counters a victory roll into a front face slam and hooks the camel clutch. RVD kicks Mikey to the floor and after a break, hits a corkscrew leg drop off the apron to knock Mikey off the railing. Back inside, Mikey bulldogs RVD on a chair, gets a sunset flip for two, and leg drops RVD into the chair. Mikey tries to go up top, but Fonzie hooks his foot. RVD meets him with a Van Daminator. Fonzie puts Mikey on the table bridge and holds him as RVD mimics Sabu. But out comes Sabu. He blocks RVD and hits a springboard elbow himself. RVD dropkicks Sabu off the apron and meets him with a Piscato. Candido comes out, and him and Sabu beat down RVD, including a nasty Candido powerbomb. Outcome Lance Storm for the save. They all brawl until officials pour out to break things up. Sabu and RVD stare each other down and trade fists to end the show. Um, all in, I thought it was another showcase to prep the dream tag, setting up all the parties to look strong. This seems like the only match really hyping for the arena as far as TV goes. Mm-hmm. So they're really all in on it. I would have used someone besides Mikey here. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. He got you. nothing compared to the other guy. Terrible. Guys. Like Doring and these other dudes mm-hmm. got way more offense in. Mm-hmm. Um, just use someone else and may even make it on title. You didn't need the title on the line. Um, mm-hmm. So I, th- I think I would have used somebody else here. Use Chetty here or whatever. Uh, but great hype for the arena overall. Like pushing Sabu and RVD's feud and the tag. I thought was a good wild finish. The match to me, Jenny, that was disappointing. I just went two stars. Yeah, all, all this shit was disappointing for me. Um, I was already kind of mad about Mikey earlier, so this did not really help. He didn't get hardly any offense. You know, it took a fucking chair to the face, went through a table and shit. Like, poor Mikey. What are we <laughs> Why are we doing this to him? But anyway, um, the run-ins were good. That You know, it was, it was a hot match. So I did two stars, but I was angry about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. I I went two and a quarter on it. I feel like, one, it shouldn't be Mikey or like you said. And two, I don't think they meshed all that well either. And I think mm-hmm. the the fact is, I think part of it is that, you know, it was basically booked like a squash. And yeah. it's just super weird. Like, it's a weird match to have. Like, why are you putting Mikey in a squash position where he's getting his shit? I mean, I, I get that's part of his charm is that he gets the shit kicked out of him. But Not then he like wins. That. But then yeah. he wins, right? right. You know? Right. So it's just, yeah. it's weird. I think they felt like they probably for that crowd, they wanted a title match. Right. So they used Mikey to justify it. But. If you're not gonna have the match, then why bother? Just right. Just, yeah. just again, use Chetty or whoever mm-hmm. in there. You got a ton of guys that they could have thrown in. Right. Um, Pablo Marquez, <laughs> like whoever, like, Some, right, like somebody. There's like, a bunch of bodies they could throw in to just get squashed. Mm-hmm. Like to even, just to, to do it at Mikey's expense is just super weird. I would have even been fine with like Axel here. You know, we go like and throw some punches back and forth, and then go into right. that. Like, I don't know. Mikey just feels like he's coming off the loss to. Um, credible, and then like mm. just come here and pretty much get jobbed out. I know RVD is like elite, but still, it's, right. it's like a bit much for Mikey. Right. Or, or at least make Mikey look semi presentable if you're going right. to make this match. Right. Don't make, make it like don't make it like ninety ten in favor of RVD. Right. All these other guys got fairly competitive matches, and Mikey mm. don't get one. Yeah. Super but. weird choice. All right, let's get to our awards. Uh, best match uh, to me was obviously Lynn Incredible. Yep. yep. Uh, the worst I'm with Candido and, and Dundee. Yep. Uh, yes. All right. I know you weren't a big fan of it, Jenny, but for me, the moment of the night was the FT t- FTW title debuting. I mean, it's a big moment yep. in ECW history. Yeah. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Most 90s, I went with that FTW title, as well as uh, It Ain't Seinfeld and all the Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. all the Seinfeld. The, the 85 Seinfeld references. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sock Rising, I went Taz, Bigelow, Lynn, Credible, Douglas. Yep, that seems about right. Mm. 
falling out with the poor blonde woman in the front row. They got wiped out. <laughs> like, uh, uh, Doring, Dundee, and and I put Mikey. I mean, I think it's yeah, sad. Yeah, I have to, I feel like I have to. Yeah. Uh, but this is a really good episode. I, I went seven out of ten. Uh, I thought yeah. I thought it did a great job. Again, if I'm watching this, I'm going to the arena for this dream tag because I think they hyped the hell out of it. Uh, everyone looks strong coming out of the show to get ready for it. So I think overall it served its purpose. Um, like I said, it's a one-match show at the arena for sure. This one, yep. <laughs> we've got no other hype. We know right. Douglas is going to be there and this dream tag, and like that's what mm-hmm. they're selling it on. So, but I think that's enough at this time. Yep. Yeah, I would agree. I did seven and a half. Yep, I, I went seven on it. You got a great match here, and it was good hype for the arena. So can't ask for much more than that. All right, that'll do it for us. Can't ask much more from us either. But be sure mm-hmm. to check out everything of the North South Connection, both video and audio. Follow us across all of social media as well. Let's type North South Connection. We're everywhere, including NorthSouthConnection.com, which has all everything linked. So if you want to just like one stop somewhere to go where you can find all of our content, you can go there. We'll be back in two weeks. We'll get three more episodes of TV to take care of then. And uh, we'll be continuing to move toward our next pay-per-view, which we haven't heard about yet. They didn't mention it on this show at all. So I'm sure mm-hmm. over our next set of tapings, we'll probably hear. But we got a ways to go before our next mm-hmm. one. This is actually one of the bigger gaps we've had in a while. The next one's not till early August. So we get a lot of TV uh, to fill in here. So we'll see how things continue to move as we get there. Till then, stay extreme. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks.